Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter. And it's Tuesdays. We're going over yesterday's NBA slate. Uh, was it an exciting one for you? Was, was it was it all that you desired? Right? I, I won. I did well yesterday. I did well in NFL showdown yesterday with my 13 Camara captain lineups that they, they, I needed Brad Johnson to kick. I needed the, the field goal there. They had, they had, they had, it was fourth and five and they were going to kick the field goal and then, then it's encroachment. And then no, I guess not. Right. So I needed the longer field goal. So that would have done, done me a lot better. And uh, I, I need, I needed uh, DK Metcalf not to have that, uh, that 83 yard touch, 84 yard touchdown. I didn't mind Metcalf just, you know, he, he was, I, I had him in like three of 13 instead of like a lot of lineups. So I'd, I'd, I'd rather, rather him not put up, uh, you know, 17 points and be in the optimal lineup, but that was showdown. That was showdown yesterday, but uh, NBA yesterday, it, a typical NBA day on nine game slate, right? Why even bother building lineups until six 30? Like why, why, why even do that to yourself? Right. We had so many people on the, on the, on the injury report. Uh, we were waiting on, on Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant gone, right? We got that news like, you know, 30 minutes before lock. Uh, we had, we were waiting on Vucevic. Vucevic was, it was sick, right? And he was questionable. He ended up playing. But then we also had some starting lineup changes, right? We had Bruce Brown in the starting lineup for, for the Nets. We got uh, Olenek starting for the, the, the Pistons. Uh, we had some, uh, Josh Hart got ruled out. Okay, so that wasn't that big of a deal. That didn't affect that much. Uh, Drew Holiday, obviously was earlier in the day that he went from, he went from doubtful to out. So we, we kind of projected him out. But then the Nassis, uh, Giannis's brother started uh, instead of Jordan Nuara. But how much does that affect Nuara versus uh, the Nassis? You have to determine that. Uh, then we had, in, after Locke, uh, we had, uh, Marcus Morris or Markeith Morris, one of the Morrises for the Clippers, he was out and Batum would start in his place. And, you know, that obviously opens up minutes elsewhere. So like the whole night's a roller coaster. You got to pay attention. And some of these things are seem very minor and they are kind of minor, but they bump up enough people's projections that makes them viable plays, makes them viable to play. Uh, I saw... If we take a look at yesterday's slate, you could go in lineup HQ. Like there's a date thing up here. A lot of people just go to like, oh, what's today's date? Well, if you go to the calendar, you go to the yesterday's date or any date in the past, it will show you the projection that we had versus the actual. Okay. It'll, it'll show you could, you could even play with lineup HQ and use all the, all the settings you want and use it with the actual fantasy points. So a lot of times I'll go, I'll go into this and look and I mean, I could see through results DB, but go and like sort by like point per dollar and go like based on our projections, like what was their point per dollar projected median versus what they actually scored. So like Bruce Brown, we had a 6.8 point per dollar. He's barely under five. He scored 17.25 points. Like, like not, not horrible. Like Luke Kennard, like Luke Kennard, like once, once Batum was out, like Luke Kennard, uh, Terrence Mann uh, so, and Batum, I guess, from, from a minutes perspective, starts getting bumped up. Now, does that make Luke Kennard the greatest play in, in, since sliced bread? No, it doesn't. But it increases the usage in the second unit and it increases his minutes by a, a couple of minutes. 
So he had his projection at 19.63, which is not like great, 5.95 point, point, point per dollar. But he ended up being the, the, the top play on the entire slate from a point per dollar perspective, primarily because uh, the Clippers completely blew out the, the, the Blazers. And uh, Kennard and Mann pretty much played the entire fourth quarter. Uh, so, so that got you there if you did that. But you could see here, like Jeremy Lamb was, was somewhat of a value play. He didn't really get there, but he gave you enough, I guess, for cash games. Uh, Gary Trent uh, got there. Uh, Michael Porter disappointed. Precious Achua got there. Uh, Kelly Olenek definitely got there. Uh, Robert Williams overperformed. Valanciunas overperformed. Giannis a little, little over. Devontae Graham a little over. So you can kind of look through here and see, like, okay, compared to projected, what, what was, what were, what were the results, right? Are we looking at like actual point per dollar? I mean, you could probably find some that didn't necessarily project that well, like Kelly Oubre, right, six point two seven actual. Isaiah Hartenstein, six point oh seven actual, but they didn't even project that well, right? Take a look down, seven point oh six. Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he scored 70 points, but we, we didn't project him all that well. But, you know, tip of 5X, which is not bad, but it just doesn't stand out. But we all know that, you know, Anthony, you know, Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns has a ceiling, right? These, these are all based on the medians, not based on, on the actual ceilings. So you could go in lineup HQ and use these actual fantasy points and look, and look for, for instance, like uh, what the top, top 10 possible lineups you could have made, right? The most optimal lineup. Okay, no, I'm building on fantasy points. So okay, actual. So if you if you wanted the nuts yesterday, the absolute nuts, oh, let, let me set my build rules to nothing, right? Because probably you're spending all of your salary or most of your salary, but just in case. So I'm going to delete this and run it again at a 45,000 salary floor, just, just in case. I don't think it matters. Okay. So yeah, so the best possible lineup would have scored 382.50. Okay, we take a look. Let's jump over to results DB. Right, I got I got some tabs open. Uh, go to classics. Go to contest. Go to the fadeaway, the largest field contest. The winner scored 347. Okay, so nowhere near the nuts. It's hard to get the nuts uh, on a nine-game NBA slate. So we take a look here. You played a lineup like this. Van Vliet scored 50, Schroeder scored 46, Ananobi 44, Olenek 38, Valanciunas and Towns together, and then Kennard and Mann together. So this would have been the best possible lineup. The next best possible lineup was 379.75 and uh, included uh, Jalen, I mean, they went to overtime. So you got the, that, I mean, that's why the Celtics guys, you know, did very well. Brown, Tatum, Schroeder. Right, we take a look and like in all these top tens, you get Schroeder, you get Kennard, you get Valentinus, you get Towns. So that double center build with both of them. You get RJ Hampton in three of the lineups. What did he score? 30 points for 4,100. That was that a blowout also, the Miami Orlando game? I'm not sure. I don't I don't remember. Uh then we got uh like even like like Markeith Morris was in uh, you know, for the Heat. Right. I'm assuming that was a blowout. That's why he's getting 25 points. Right? Can you project? Can you predict that? No, of course not. But if you just want to see what's the best possible lineups I could you could have made, and gotten close to the nuts. But if these top ten lineups, the tenth lineup is three seventy seven. Like the wing lineup is three forty seven. You don't you don't even need to that extent. So let's say 
you could do you go through this thought experiment and, and cross off the guys that that look at this ownership like obviously the ownership is a little bit off because uh, it wasn't updated for for the pistons so let's say you take out rj hampton let's say you take out markeith morris you take out patty mills like guys that like are not are barely owned barely barely owned uh miles was miles bridges was barely owned well you could have still played him he was still viable right you could start doing stuff like this and say like well if i didn't play canard or man like let's say you missed out on that which most people did a lot by the time batum was like ruled out was in the starting lineup and it's not like it, it trust me it didn't make these man and canard projections like through the roof oh we should have we should have held out a spot for the late game. No, it, it wasn't like that. Most people had their slots all filled out before that last game went out. So he didn't even have a chance to like capitalize, even if he wanted to. So we take some of these guys out and say, okay, even without Kennard or Mann, or maybe even Schroeder, maybe you, know, maybe you don't even play him. You go, you just X out the guys that like weren't even on your radar, in your player pool, wasn't owned, wasn't anything. And then you run it again. And you go, is there a lot of 347 is what we're gaining aiming for could we 356 it has jabari parker in it which you're probably not going to play right there's josh jackson and kelly olenic together right you look through and you go justice winslow you're probably like dennis smith jr all these portland blowout guys like you're probably not playing so you take out justice winslow right because is that ever you ever going to be able to predict that no so you start taking these guys out you got Nazi Little, Dennis Smith, and you go, okay, let, let's run, let's run some more. Just, just go, is there is there a realistic lineup that you could have made that would have beaten that? Right? DeAndre Bemery. You're not, you know, you're not playing these guys. Bemery's out of here. You're not playing Patrick Beverly off the bench, probably. Like who's up here that 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 comes up too much? Beverly, you're probably not playing. Right. Okay, this is a this is a reasonable enough lineup right here. I think Franz Wagner was in play. Van Vliet, Brown, Ananobi, Wagner, Williams, Jackson, Olenek, Valanciunas. So this is without even Towns in the lineup. You could have possibly made this lineup, 351. Here's one with Bembry. Here's one with, you know, Reddish, I guess you could have played as a value play, right? Troy Brown Jr. is not on the radar, so you're probably not playing him. So this is something that you could do after, after every slate. Bones Highland, right? Yes, yes. We can make sure to play Bones Highland for 15 points to get into this lineup. Like, you, 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 do you have to worry about those things? Well, like this bottom lineup is is playable. George Hill, Brown, Jackson, Olenek, Valanciunas, Redich, Ananobi, and Carol Anthony Towns. I mean, this is this is doable, right? And once you get down into the doable range, then it comes more in line with like, oh, the top score was 347, right? Right, because it makes sense. Because most like Bones Highland and Dennis Smith Jr., like how they're in like two out of three thirty-five thousand lineups, and they have to be in the perfect ones in order to get there. So this is kind of a little exercise that you could do using lineup HQ and see. And you could still you could still sort and and crunch and build by by actual by by projected fantasy points. So we could see here, like in cash games, I brought up. Uh, Result DB for cash games, the $100 double up versus the single $125 double up. So if you play cash games, it's good to see like what did more sharper players do, right? Typically the higher stakes is sharper players and the sharper players in cash games 
uh, if they had to choose between one of the like towards the top of the projected optimals, chose to side with uh, overloading the Bucks. So playing playing Giannis, Nuora, and Middleton together, right? So you can see that here with Giannis ownership is much higher. Nuora ownership is way higher. Didn't mind sacrificing Achua in the center spot and played more Frank Jackson, who did not get there. Uh, played more Chris Middleton and tried to get off of like guys like uh, like Valanciunas. I mean, the difference was dramatic. Like I played the Valanciunas cash lineup and did very well. Uh, but we see here, like a lot of people like in the lower stakes said, oh, the Nassus is starting. I'm going to play him. Well, I mean, he got 14.75 points. It wasn't like bad or anything. But people people get confused when they see someone in the starting lineup and they just expect that means something, right? It, by by general rule, by default, okay. Every team is different. Though. By default, when someone is starting, when they when they weren't planning on starting, typically their minutes floor goes up, but their usage floor goes down. Okay, the NAS is st starting alongside Giannis, Middleton right? Like how much usage is he getting? Like, what is he, what is he doing other than standing in the corner and not, not doing much, right? In the second unit, when Middleton's not on the floor, when Holiday, obviously, Holiday didn't play, more opportunities for usage, more opportunities to make, to have the ball at his hand, to either get assists, get shots, or whatever. So when people like, oh, Bruce Brown is starting. It's like, yeah, Bruce Brown is starting alongside Harden and Durant. So how much usage do you expect Brown to get? You expect his minutes to go up. If he's starting, typically the starters get more minutes. Sometimes they have weird rotations. Guy starts, comes out early, then comes, leads the second unit, and then may, not, may or may not even close the halves, right? So you, you're still only going by minutes. So whether or not they're starting, typically when they're inserted in the starting lineup, their usage is going to go down because they're playing against, they're playing with other good guys. Take a look at the Clippers situation. Morris gets ruled out, Batum started. Yeah, but he's competing with, with Paul George for usage as opposed to not, typically he comes in for Paul George, right? So then you have, well, if Batum's out of the second unit, well, then Kennard and Mann's usage goes up, right? Because some, some other, some 11th guy on the bench is coming in, playing with them, and he, he's sitting in the floor. So that's what, you, so just because a guy's starting doesn't make them a good play. And just because a guy's not starting doesn't make them a bad play. But how do you judge that? Well, the best thing to do is you go to the projections. We have a great projections team that does that for you. It does it for you. You don't have to, you don't have to go in and go, well, is he going to get 17 minutes? Is he going to get 22 minutes or whatever? We, we, we got like seven guys that are in Slack like all day and throughout the night arguing over assist rates and, and minutes and rotations. And they know basketball, right? I mean, Andy Means, I mean, he played for Duke, right? He knows basketball, notorious, knows basketball. These guys, you know, Noto writes the grind down. He, these guys know basketball 10 times more than I do. I trust their judgment more than my own judgment. I can look at the projections that they, they update and go, okay, I can see how they think X, Y, and Z works. And obviously if you play NBA DFS every day, you can sort of get used to how teams rotate players in and out. But, you know, sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium, get the projections. I think they're the best in the industry. Right. There are a lot of good projections in the industry. Let me, don't, don't get me wrong. Like a lot of the projections in the industry are, are the differences between them are, are small, but I still think our projections at Roto Grinders are the best. 
Uh, so sign up, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. But they do that for you. We have, we have this update timestamp. They update the fantasy, they update the projections. Like we saw uh, 90 minutes before lock yesterday, I think there were six or seven projections updates. Every time news hits, every time, you know, five, seven, 10 minutes later, update, right? And then something happened, then maybe, maybe they disagree with something. They bump a guy down two minutes up, two minutes here, another projection, you know, eight minutes later. Right. Then we get word that Vucevic is going to be in. Okay. Well, nothing has to be up there. Well, we, we already had him projected in. Right. Then Grant's out. Okay. How is that going to work? Right. Grant gets ruled out, but we don't have a Pistons starting line. So it's like, so now the projections team has to go, okay, what, what do we think the Pistons are going to do? Who's going to start and how are these minutes going to be allocated? And with Grant out of the starting lineup, like that usage is gone. He's the highest usage player on the Pistons. And he's also one of the top rebound rate players on the Pistons. So where, do, where does that go? Well, we give a lot to Isaiah Stewart. Then we figure who's going to start for Grant? Like Olenek or maybe Olenek, right? And then we see the starting lineup and it's not Frank. We thought Frank Jackson may start and it turns out Josh Jackson starts. Okay, so that bumps Josh Jackson up, but Frank Jackson's still going to play plenty of minutes and he's going to play with the second unit, which means he'll get a little bit more usage, but his minutes volatility is going to be wider. Right. When, you, when you're a starter, you're more likely to that minutes floor, you know, you're more likely to play more minutes, just let maybe less usage. When you're not starting, I mean, we've seen, hey, some people DMP. You go, oh, okay, this guy we thought was going to start and he's actually going to play off the bench. And then it turns out he doesn't even play off the bench. He just doesn't play. Right? Sometimes that happens. Most likely if you're starting, you're not DMPing because you're there, right? Because you're actually playing. So going through all of this, I mean, seeing what people did. So like if we ran uh, like cash lineups, for instance, if I go by fantasy points, so the top 10 actual, based on our final projections yesterday, uh, let's see, no, this is still actual. Hold on, fantasy points, thank you. Right, the top one, 277.5 actual. 277.5, this is 277.5 actual, 286.69 projected. So you could see here and you can even compare what the actual is to the projected. So let's say, I mean, I, I believe all the guys that I that I that I had knocked out were, were not available to play. Right. I don't have to put canard or anything back in now. I don't. Okay. So like I played this lineup in cash games and double ups. It was the top projected optimal one. Uh, on Roto Grinder projections. I swept everything, right? I think I lost two, two or three head-to-heads on, on DraftKings. But uh, it swept all the double-ups, swept, swept everything. Hard Lamb, Bruce Brown, Giannis, Precious, Trent, Porter, Valanchunas. Bing, right? Projected at 286.69, scored 277.5. Well, take a look at the difference between the top 10 optimals, okay? 286.69, 286.4. 286.18, So like the difference between the top one and the bottom one of the top 10 is a point and a half. A point and a half out of 286 points. Not that big, not that big of a gap, right? 
So you take a look and it's like, okay, what if I didn't want to play a certain player? Oh, I don't want to play Jeremy Lamb or something. Oh, well, you could have played the second. The second top optimal was Harden, Brown, Porter, Giannis, Robert Williams, Precious, Olenek, Trent. It would have scored 283.5. So you actually would have scored uh, slightly more points with this lineup if you didn't want. You're like, I don't want to play Jeremy Brown. Well, feel free to play the next lineup. The difference between these projections are 0.29, right? It just doesn't have Jer- uh, Jeremy Lane. Okay, well, you're perfectly fine playing this line of ball. Any of these 10 lineups are fine in cash games. We go down here. Here's 281.25, right? And this has Devontae Graham and Robert Williams, right? We go down here. Here's Jaden McDaniels is in this line, right? As a punt play, 273.25. So still, you're still in double ups. Go down here. Here's the one with Kevin Durant. So if you wanted to jam in the Nets and then play Batum, okay, most likely Batum wouldn't have been an option at that point. So I'm going to take out Batum. Because you have to figure Batum is so far after lock that most likely you, you didn't even have the option of doing that. So let me run 10 lineups again. I'm doing this to show a point when it comes to cash games and using projections and playing optimals that you don't have to play the top one, right? You don't have to. You could choose to just say, I don't want to think about anything. I'm going to play the top one for 100, 150 slates throughout the year. And just whatever comes out at the end, it comes out at the end. You could do that. So you don't even have to think about it. But if you do want to make small tweaks and at least play a top lineup, a lineup that's projected within a point, maybe two, maybe two of the top one, that's still perfectly fine. The differences between your results are, shouldn't be that dramatic. Unless you're just horrible at pick, you know, you just get the variance wrong. Oh, I'm going to pick the third one, and then the first one does well. The next one, I'm going to pick the first one, and this fourth one does well. I mean, you, a lot. Of, I, I I say that if you're if you're going to have a if you if you don't want to have to second guess yourself, okay, I think you should do that. You should play cash games if you're going to play them regularly. One of two ways: you're still treating it like an index fund, right? You're taking a set amount of money aside in the beginning of the season and say, this is what's de- dedicated to cash. And that's it. And it's gone. Don't act like it doesn't exist anymore. So if you're going to take a thousand, let's say it's a thousand bucks, right? And you go, okay, I'm going to play 10% of this a night across multiple sites or just on one site. They take a thousand bucks. Okay. A hundred dollars in, in cash. And you split that hundred dollars into like $50 worth of head dads and $50 worth of double ups or $40 worth of double ups and $10 worth of triple ups or something a little upside and then either what you do is you play the you use projections whatever source you use you can use your own projection set you could use another site's projection set you could aggregate the projection set you could say i'm going to take the projections of four different places and put them together and weight them all at 25 percent each or you could take all four projection sets and weight them differently Right, you could say, oh, "Well, I like the, I think the Roto Grinders projections are better than anyone else's." I'm going to weight that at forty percent. I'm going to go to this other side and weight them at twenty percent, and then whatever that is, play the top line. So you don't have to think, but you're committed to doing that every slate until the end of the year. And whatever that thousand dollars is, you win that night, and now you have eleven hundred. Well, now the next night you're playing one hundred and ten dollars, right? Ten percent or something like that. You, that's what you did. That that's a system systemized process in playing cash games. So if you're going to be doing it that way, the amount of time that you put into this is minimal. You've outsourced everything. All you, all you, all all your goal is to just play diversified contests and allocate your money. And then 
play play the, the, the top lineup and at the end of the season your thousand dollars becomes x and there you go there's your there's your profit or or loss most likely it'll be a profit as long as you get in diversified opponents and you're, you're trying to find the weakest people the low the lower the bankroll you have the easier it is to find weak opponents right if you if you if you're playing a hundred dollars a night spend the time to play the hundred dollars in the best spots possible Right? Don't just like, I'm going to take a $20 head-to-head against the regular. No. no. Scan the lobby every hour. Go, go play, find three mans that have some, like, no badger in it. Play the low, like $1, 124 man double-ups. Don't play the multi-entry double-ups, right? Look for the best spots for your money. Now, let's say you're like, well, what happens if I don't want to play the top option? Well, you could also do it a different, different way. And you could say, I'm going to create the top 10. And as long as I'm going to create, create as many lineups as you can within one point of the top optimum or whatever, if you want, whatever the amount, like I just made 10 and then go to random.org, right? You go to random.org, right? You go here and you put in the minimum one, maximum 10, and then you generate and whichever number this is, that's the lineup that you play. So you go here, nine. Okay. You go, you go to here, you go to. Okay, what's the ninth lineup? Okay, this is what I'm playing. I'm playing Hill, Trent, Brown, Giannis, Achua, Harden, Porter, Valanciunas. Now you, you do that. You would have scored 282, right? The differences between these lineups from a pro- median projection standpoint is very minimal. But the, di- the, the actuals end up being, could be dramatic. Like in the top, t- if in the top 10 lineups, if we saw that the cash line, what was the cash line? in let me go to results db again let's go let's add up another tab let's go to let's go to like the highest stakes like double up right so let's go to the, the what we have the hundred dollar double up right what was the cash line in the hundred dollar double up looks like it was 270 okay if you scored more than 270 you probably did you probably made money okay so we're going to go back to this so out of the top 10 lineups, which are all within one and a half points of each other, projection-wise, I believe, right? Something, two points of each other. What would have scored over 270? Well, this one did, 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 this one didn't. Right, the Kevin Durant, this Kevin Durant one. But it also projected two points lower than everyone else. So if you take like the top nine would have all cashed in any different configuration. So let's say we take we take out, we look at like here on the side. Like where where's Durant? Durant was in two lineups. How about the other Durant lineup? There was another Durant lineup. Yeah, this uh this Durant lineup cashed, right? Graham Brown Durant. So it didn't have Harden in it, it had Durant instead. Giannis, Precious, Trent, Olenek, Porter. There you go. But if you play, if you play the if you play the tenth one, you wouldn't have made it. Even though it projected fine, but the top ten, all the top nine, all projected around the same, and they scored within. Let's say the highest one was two eighty three. I think two eighty three. Right, two eighty three to two seventy one within a 12 point range. The projection was 286, 286. So like 
being like, oh, well, I don't want to play Jaden McDaniels. Well, then don't play this line. If you, if you want, if you don't want to do the random thing, then just choose, right? If you looked at the top optimal and said, like, I don't want to play Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Lamb, just X him out and play the next one, right? The next one would have been fine also, right? You can't stomach playing someone. Now, if you take, if you take that player out and your projection goes down four points, well, you're probably playing that. You, you probably should be stomaching playing that guy because by taking him there, if Jeremy Lamb projected for 30 points at 3,500, you wouldn't be like, I can't play Jeremy Lamb. He's like the linchpin. Of, he's going to be the most owned player in the entire conference. So I just wanted to show like just from a, from a cash perspective, like how you should be thinking about things. That yes, absolutely. You could go in, use, use a projection set, and say, well, in the long run, I trust the projections. I trust the team behind them. I'm just, whatever the knapsack problem brings me, you know, I press the, the, the button. I go when it eventually comes up. Okay, that's the highest projected one. But there are some instances strategically that you're like, I know that's the top projected lineup, but some other guy is going to be like owned like too much. Like maybe like pre like Precious was going to be high owned. If we look at the let's see cash games, right? If we look at at the uh, at the hundred dollar double, even at the at the twenty five. Let's say you're playing a little bit lower. Like Precious Achua being fifty five percent owned at forty six hundred or whatever he was, maybe it's a scary proposition for you to fade, right? If the top lineup didn't have him, well then find the one that does, right? Right, there are some lineups here like that don't have him. Right, Precious wasn't in all these lineups, eight out of the 10. So let's find one without Precious. Uh, yeah, here's, here's one without Precious Devontae Grand, Chris Duarte, Brown, and uh, Giannis Olenek, Trent Porter Harden. You would have looked at this lineup and go, I think it's better. I think even though, you know, the lineup, you know, above it, like we take a look at these two lineups. They project, look, look at how close they project, 284.86 to 284.84, right? But this one doesn't have, doesn't have Harden, right? This is, this is Durant and Precious. This one has Harden and no Precious. And Duarte, who was going to be owned, but probably not that as owned in cash games. And you go, well, which, which one is safer? They project so close, but this one is higher owned, right? So sometimes you, you go by own. If we, if we sorted these 10 by ownership, high to low, it turns out that the top one is the most owned one also, right? So it seems like if you want to jam in just, just to be safe, the most owned plays, the top one was, was good also. So you don't have to be scared about like someone, someone high that's chalky that goes off that you don't have. And if someone's chalky and they bust, who cares? Because you're busting with a lot of people also. So it's not hurting you as much. So doing this as a cash prize, how long does this take? Right? It doesn't. Like, you know, I'm not even picking players. I may be excluding players. The problem with the, the second part of, of thinking about cash games is also thinking about the, like, the late swaps. What are we waiting on? What happens if we didn't get certain news until after lock? That's why I said, like, I took out these Clippers guys, like Kennard, like Kennard, if, if we put Kennard in, 
So I'm gonna go into the, the excluded, okay? I'm gonna add back all these guys, right? I'm gonna add them all back, right? So now if we build, now we get Batum in here, like, but you're like, like you would have, this news didn't come in till like nine o'clock. Like you would have never had, like you would have never had the opportunity to make this lineup unless you purposely held out for and left the $3,800 spot there for no apparent reason, for no discernible. It's not like he was even on the injury report. There, Morris was even on the injury report around. I just decided just not playing or something, right? So like, how do you ever get there? You actually would have scored 268. You would have actually, with the top line, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't the cash. But the second one, Harden, Brown, Tatum, Olenek, Precious, Trant, Porter, Valanciunas, right? You're going to play this one, right? Just like the, you see the differences between these lineups are not that dramatic. Like Canard, look at Canard here. It would have scored 307. But how do you ever get the Canard and man? But two spots in your lineup past the, the Pelicans game. Like it would it would have never, you would have never left yourself open for that. Now, if you, if there was news, if there was like Paul George may be sitting tonight, okay, then 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 you have to start saying, like, like, well, Paul George is in until proven otherwise. But if he's out, like, dude, these clippers could be immense value. And then you go, okay, well, let's see. That's when we have if-then projections. So if we know a situation like that here at Roto-Grinders, if you're a premium member, we provide those if-what-if type of projections. What if George is out? What are the projections on all the Clippers look like? And we have a page for that. And you're more than welcome to, it'll show you all the projections of all, all the Clippers. Just cut and paste and put them in, say, okay, I know currently it's listed. He has a Q tag. Paul George is in our current projections. But let me take a look. See, I'm going to X out George and I'm going to change all the, the manually, change all the. I look on the page and I change them all and then see what happens and go, what am I missing out on? That's a viable also. But having some type of streamlined process. So you're not just, just, grasping every day you're playing double ups you're playing head to head you're playing on multiple sites FanDuel, yahoo wherever and you're just like oh what's a good like what are the plays what are the play like dude the projections will tell you the plays they'll tell the projections will tell you the lineups it'll solve the, it's just going to solve an equation for you that's all this optimizer lineup hq tool is to solve whatever problems and equations you give it it's just trying to fit in the most amount of fantasy points in that column in that into a lineup because even if you go through if you like if today we go to today's slate and you go i don't think i don't think uh i don't think sga should have this high of rejection well then lower it if you want i mean you, you could and then calculate it you could change you could change all these numbers all you want but these numbers are based on our projections team and our models chris Jamino behind the model i mean this is he's a data analyst we've been doing this Roto-Grinders has been around for 10 plus years. We've been doing this a long time. Kind of know what we're doing on building this type of stuff. So you could go and you could just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put everything in like for today. If nothing changes, these are, and also these are our initial projections. They're, these are generated algorithmically. The team is going to update this. But as of our algorithmic projections, if I go through, 
and build 10 lineups, just the, the optimal 10 lineups. Let me make sure I don't have anything that'll knock people out. So here you go. Here are the top 10 lineups. We have no ownership. 260, 268.66, 268.03, 267.44, 267.26, right? You're kind of giving up. I don't want to give up more than a pointed projection. So let's let's just go go down. Yeah, you know, there's not that many lineups, right? Let me let me cut off. Let me just cut off this below. Delete all lineups below. Right, come on. Delete. Okay, delete this one also. Okay. So that other is like currently, as of right now, you jammed everyone in. You have SGA Brunson, Wiggins, Baisley, Powell, White, Porter, Luca as the as the projected optimal. As of the, the algorithm projections. I mean, the, the, if you're listening to this later, watching this later, all this stuff may change, right? Slightly here, slightly there, and obviously news throughout the day. But if you want to play any of these five, I mean, I they're, they're fine. If you want to play four, four, you want to play four Mavericks together, go for it, right? Lineups, not players. Remember, lineups, not players. We don't know if Embiid's going to play, right? So that's going to be big news today, right? What, when's that game? Okay, at least it's the first game, so you'll know. So we're going to have, with this Q tag here, we're going to have if what-if projections, if you're a premium member, what if Embiid is out? Obviously, that raises, you know, Drummond and Tyra, everyone gets a bump, right, obviously. Then see what that is. But you could see when, when, you know, when I play cash games in NBA almost every day on multiple sites. My cash process, I could I could show up five minutes before a slate and that just not know any not know anything. I've outsourced my not my NBA knowledge to our projections team. I could just look and go, hmm. Let me take a look at the top lineup. Let me take a, take a look at the top five lineups. Let me take a look at the most owned lineups and then choose the one I want to play. Most of the time I side with the top, with the with just the projected top. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I second guess, right? Sometimes you're like, oh, I could have played the top one, but I didn't. I played the second one and the second one bombed. And the top one did fine because it was a 2v2. But that's all cash games are. Especially if you're playing at higher stakes, it's all going to come down to 2v2s and 1v1s and 3v3s. At the lower stakes, you, you may see some head-to-heads at the one $2 level. You look at the lineup and you go, how did anyone make this? Right? It looks like someone banged their head against the keyboard. That's good. That's what you want. And if they beat you getting lucky, go, go, so be it. Play them in more head tags. Okay, going through the YouTube chat. I just want to get, just get this out of the way because so many people, I get DMs, they're like, oh, what are you playing cash, right? You, you, they see, I play NBA cash all the time. In addition to GPPs, I didn't play GPPs yesterday because I had the NFL showdown show. And when you play G- the cash games are, you know, if, is this guy in? You're going to swap this guy here. But if you're playing GPPs, you know, some someone gets rule, ruled out at 7.45 for an 8 o'clock game, and I'm sitting there talking to Will Priester doing an NFL show. I can't, I can't swap to 67% some other guy while I'm doing the show, so I don't. Oh, uh, let's see. Go through the YouTube chat. Give me those dummy thumbs, obviously. Uh, Daniel says, uh, last night before lock, FD Optimal had four Raptors, so I played the second Optimal for like Point eight points projected less. Yeah, which is the statistical difference is so minuscule that if you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want my entire night riding on uh, on four Raptor on the Raptors. The Raptors get blown out, and then your cash line is dead, right? 
Okay, well, let me take a look at a lineup that doesn't have four Raptors in it. How much projection difference am I giving them? Well, barely anything. Okay, if you, if you feel more comfortable with that, then go and do that. That's fine. Michael Dampier says, uh, this might be a dumb question, but why aren't more NBA lineups duped? Is that people use different services or that people are strategically picking different lineups from a similar service? Uh, it's not a, it's actually, it's not a dumb question. Uh, the reason I think there are multiple reasons. One, and it depends on the stakes that you're playing. Okay. There are two, there are, I would say three different types of DFS players that are in the ecosystem. That, that would play cash games, at least. You have one. You have the uh, higher stakes uh, aggregators. So most likely that what they're doing is taking projections from four different sources, aggregating them together in some fashion, and then playing the top one of that group. Okay? And I typically I could tell what those lineups are. I could look at like I I could even predict who has what lineups because I see all four projection sources. So I just if you aggregate them twenty five percent each, I could get what whatever the top optimum is. You you can. Some people don't weight them that way. Some people decide to aberrate from that from to deviate from that. But most likely they're going to be. I could take a look and go. Well, Arta Grinders has Jeremy Lamb 0.6 higher here than any other place. Like most likely, uh, I, if people that are aggregating, Lamb isn't going to show up. is is, is going to show up in one of their top, top ten optimals, but not in the not in the top three. So most likely, they're not playing Lamb. So what lineup would they play without Lamb? Well, here's well, there you go. They're either they're either playing they're either playing this Harden lineup, this Durant lineup, or they're playing this Middleton lineup. One of these, depending on what you that that's the that's typically happens at the higher stakes. Also at the higher stakes are the intuitive play. The players that that know the NBA well, that they do look at projections, but they they're the ones make they go no I I'm going to play this I'm going to play that, and they're probably playing one of what ends up happening is they're playing one of the top twenty optimals anyway, but they didn't get there by looking at top twenty lineups and then just picking, right? They they know they could identify five of the guys like, you got to play this guy you got to play Giannis you got to play this you got to play Precious you got to play this guy I mean. And then putting it in. And a lot of times they're a 2v2 off of other people. Then the third type of person is the, uh, I subscribe to, to, to Roto-Grinders X or some other site. And I just click a button and you, you get a bunch of those. That, that happens primarily at the lower stakes. And then you have the fourth, the, the other type of person, the fourth, the losing player is uh, projections are, are BS. And I'm just going to make whatever lineup I think is the best. And typically they lose long-term. So like, those, those are the types of people. So what, why are there less dupes? Uh, most, of the t- most of the time, in, in higher stakes, I understand why there's less dupe because there's more, diff- the minuscule difference between one half a point in projection, people choose different sides. So you may see three, four, five different types of lines, right? Projection different, the minuscule projection differences will make a difference between like the top 10 lineups type of thing. So you're more likely, especially at the higher stakes where people are paying much more attention to have different, slight differences, slight 2v2, 1v1 type of things here. At the lower stakes, typically it's like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to play. I'm going to play the best plays, right? I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and I got to play these four guys. And then I got to find a boy to fit them in. 
right? And either either they have a projection set, they subscribe to a projection set or something, and they're just running. That's why you'll see more dupes in the lower stakes. But also what you'll see in the lower stakes are people that just, like I said, go, I can't believe people use, I know the NBA, and I can't, these, 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 uh, these computer people, these nerds, the nerds, the spreadsheet nerds, like they don't know the NBA. I know that they, they just don't believe, right? They don't believe in projections and they lose, especially in NBA. Over the long run, in cash games, GPPs, anything could happen. I mean, that's high variance. Oh. Yeah, Michael Dampia says, I think NBA is, quote, less hard if you have the time to pay attention to news and cut, could adjust the news post-lock. In low stakes, I think a lot of people just set lineups and go. That's absolutely correct. Right, especially the starting lineup changes. Right, how many, how many, how many in the lower stakes, casual, more, more casual based people are like, I don't think I already have my lineup, and I don't care that Jeremy Grant is out. Right, and don't even think about playing Isaiah Stewart on FanDuel or play Kelly Olynyk on DraftKings. They don't think of that. They already have their lineup. They don't think it makes that much of a difference. But if you, if you, if if you have a projection model, it would tell you that it makes enough of a difference. Uh, Daniel Hutchings is, is correct. Probably nothing easier than NFL GPP simply because of the amount of dead money. Right, it just, it's hard to realize your EV, but the, you're getting way more money in NFL than you get in any other sport because the, the amount of dead money. Same thing for GPPs in general in all sports. Most casual players, most bad players are more likely to play Oh, I could pl- put fifteen dollars in and possibly win a hundred thousand. Then I could put ten dollars in and possibly win twenty. Like you're more, you're more likely, you're more likely to find the dumber money in the, in the GPPs. Oh, going through the YouTube chat. And Michael Dombey, yeah, they're talking amongst themselves. Just anecdotal, but a lot of my friends with money have quit DFS and gone to sports betting only. DFS was too hard. That's that's correct. Which with DFS, if you're if you're a if you're a good player, DFS is more profitable than sports betting. Okay, the best DFS players in the world, from an ROI perspective, make more money than the best sports betters do, because it is it is a peer to peer game. The worst. The, the bad DFS players would be much better off betting sports. They'd still lose money betting sports, but they'd lose less money. Because if, if in sports betting, if, if you were, if you, if you were to uh, ascribe to the efficient market hypothesis, that basically the closing line is efficient, like an, an, an absolutely efficient overall long-term. If, if you were to bet a minute before any game, Last night's game, I'm going to bet on the Seahawks, right? Just like whatever. Spread, total, doesn't matter. Like, it's a coin flip, right? If it's efficient, it's a, it's a coin flip. Of course, the books are charging, you know, 10%, right? They're, they're minus 110. So you, you have to win more than 52.4% of those bets. A monkey, if it's all efficient, could throw, I mean, every, to go, you're most likely going to be going around 50-50. Right, you have to go fifty-two point eight four or whatever, fifty-two point four, whatever, whatever it is. 
So you're giving up that that little bit of edge and feel free to have all the fun you want. It's like it, you're flipping coins. It's the equivalent of we're going to hang out tonight and I'm going to bet a dollar on heads or tails. You're going to lose a little bit of money long run, but it's still better off than, you know, playing me in a head to head with the 21 point projection difference. Like, dude, you're like a 70 to 80 percent underdog, maybe even more. Right. You might as well just bet on an efficient line in sports. Now, if you're, if, if you're looking to be a good DFS player, well, much better off trying to beat other weaker DFS players than try to beat sports books at their lines and try to get money there. So yes, it, for, for the casual bad DFS player, it, they'd be much better off. They'd lose less money just betting the games on, on, on efficient lines. Uh, Con Campbell asks, do you optimize again before the start of games that start later, locking in the players that have already started? Yes. Because new news changes the projections. Oh, this, oh, this guy's in the starting lineup now for the Pelicans or something, you know, and the game's at eight and I already have four guys going and it's like, okay, I want to see if that changes anything, right? The projections get updated. I'm like, does anyone get a bump up or down that makes it worth me switching someone? Yeah, of course I do that. I do that before every, every lock time. So last night, before lock at seven, I'm picking my line, my cash lineup. And then once seven o'clock passes, I lock, I locked in hard and lamb. Right. And then before at 727, I run it again. And I run not just the top one. I run, let's see what the top 10, top five at that point. Right. Did anything change? Did anything move? I go, no. Okay. Well, now the the next, the games after that were, I mean, we had a lot of seven, seven thirty games, right? So I locked in, you know, hard, you know, we had, uh, you know, I locked in Giannis and Lamb, right? If we if we looked at the the top one, right? You lock in Harden and Lamb, and then you leave it like that, and you go, okay, well, let's wait till seven twenty seven, see if anything changes. Take a look at the top ten. I could build ten, right? I didn't play Tatum early because Batum wasn't in the line. Obviously, this isn't the lineup. And then you, you lock, okay, uh, Brooklyn got a lock in Harden, got a lock in Brown, got a lock in Giannis. Toronto started, got a lock in Trent, right? And then at, at, at the Pelicans start at 7.57, is Valanchunas still in my lineup? Yes. And then at 8.01, lock him in. He was my last guy. Uh, Porter was my last guy. So at 8.57, is there anyone better? I only have one slot. There's the, I didn't have to have the check. There's no one that's going to be better than Porter at 6K in a, in a forward spot when there's no one left in my lineup to play. So yes, that's why NBA is a, is a, is a full, is you have to play the whole night, especially in GPP because you'd be doing that in GPP, right? I'm playing 20 lineups, hundred lineups. And you're doing that the same way. Rebuild, lock in all the players. That's why we have a late swap tool and run lineups again and go, you'd see before the Clippers game, oh, now I'm getting a lot of canard. If you manage to happen to have slots available, that was the problem yesterday. Oh, uh, let's see. Right, Alex Santi says, not many dupes because most are number four. That's absolutely right. You know, you know how many you know how many how many arguments or people that DM me or people that mention me or people that come into this actual chat in the YouTube chat. That like, I can't believe you just what you're just using projections. That's not skill. Yeah, of course it is. I'm one one of the the biggest skills 
in, in life, in business, okay? Is to know what you don't know, okay? That being humble and knowing what you don't know is almost more important than what you do know. And if you're a good business person, I've, I've run my own businesses for 20 years, right? I've never had a real job. Stick to your core competency. What You have to figure out what your core competency is. You do that. Never outsource your core competency. But anything that you're weak in, outsource it to, to get the best people, right? Don't try to do it yourself. So when I say that, like, yes, I have enough skill to build my own model, but that's not my core competency, right? I've, I could watch all the NBA. I know enough. I know enough about basketball. I could watch all the games and know even more about basketball. That's not my core competency. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to outsource that to the people that even if I studied for five to 10 years, I probably still wouldn't know more than that. So why, why even bother? So I outsource my NBA knowledge to, you know, our projections team. I outsource uh, the, the model stuff to Jimino and Cardi and those types of guys. Okay. My core competency is in game theory, right? I don't outsource that. So I make all those, those types of decisions myself, but I make as efficient as possible. Everything else is, is done for me to some extent. I will double check. You have, you have to leave, the, you have to have people accountable. I'm just blindly going in. If some guy, weird guy, that's only expected to be 2% owned is projecting for 7 million points. I'm going to look and go, this doesn't seem right. And that's why I look at other places. I look across the industry and go, I mean, I'm willing to say that I don't know. Maybe you should be that. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's correct. But most likely across four sites, projections are going to be close enough that like, we're giving this guy 34 minutes. And this other site is like, we're giving him 10 minutes. It's like, well, one of you is wrong. I mean, something's going on there. So at least I could judge for them. But other than that, you, people don't accept that. To me, that's the, that's the skill. The, 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 the scoreboard in this game in DFS is money, right? The game is played with money. So my goal is to just make money, right? Do I have to make the most money? No, I don't even have to make the most money, but I got to make money, right? Can I make money? What's the, what's the easiest path for me to make money? Well, the easiest path takes me three minutes and I outsource 98% of the work. It, can I do better than that, right? And if the answer is yes, how much time do you have to put in and how much better can you get? So if I could put in 3% of the time, outsource 98% of the work and get X, but I could put in eight hours. I could do my own minutes. I could do the minutes. I wake up in the morning, do the minutes, right? Allocate minutes, allocate usage, right? Go through, look at rotations, do all that. Maybe, maybe I make 2% more in ROI. Maybe, right? Maybe, maybe I only make 2%. Is it worth all that time? Well, it's up to you to judge, right? To me, it's not worth the time, right? So I don't do it. I outsource. To me, that's a skill. That that is the skill. If you're if you can't beat, it's it's a it's a game it's a game theory thing. That it's a it's a play what whoever you want. When people ask me, should I play this guy or this guy, or this two v two? And I look at the two v two, and they pretty much project the same, and they're pretty much owned the same. Just. Flip a coin, flip a coin at that point. If, if 
the decision that you're making, no matter what you choose, is not gonna, is, you're not gonna outperform a coin flip or virtually a coin flip. It's never gonna be 50, 50, 51, 49. The closer, the closer your decisions are to 50, 50, the less amount of time you should be spending on them. The problem is, is that most people, most average DFS players do the opposite. They spend the least amount of time on 80-20 decisions and the most amount of time on 50-50 decisions when you should be doing the opposite. If it's truly a 50-50 decision, because what most average DFS players will do, oh, this is so close. I'm going to spend two hours trying to find some six-level nugget or some something. Some t- typically, it's confirmation bias. Something to hold on to that makes one side slightly more than the other side when all the data would show that it's pretty much even. And they'll spend two hours on that. The 80-20 decision, oh, this guy's under, like uh, Daryl Henderson in NFL. Oh, I don't have to think about that at all. I'm just going to plug in Daryl Henderson and move on. Like no one thinks about that. They just go, well, I'm going to plug in Daryl Henderson. I'm going to plug in Chris Godwin. I'm going to plug in the Cardinals defense and then move on. And at 50-50 decisions, they're like, ah, I'm going to spend the whole day on. I do the opposite. The 50-50 decisions are like whatever shows up. That's what I say. If they show up in my lineup, they show up in my lineup. If they don't, they don't. It doesn't really matter. Not even barely thinking about it. And then I take a look at Daryl Henderson and go, the whole consensus, like the, the, the data shows and the projection shows that it's probably the best running back play for the price. But from an ownership perspective, it, what, what, what is the, what are they, are, are people, is the consensus, are they over, are they overconfident in this? Can I find something that people are not looking at that, that would increase his failure rate that may not be accounted for? Now, how much time I spend on that? Not that much. I, try, I trust the data anyway. And the ownership is more of a game theory thing, which is, like I said, that's my core competency. That's what I do. But if you wanted to, if you were going to dive deep into stats and go, I'm going to look through PFF grades and do all that type of stuff, do it for the 80-20s. Do it for, well, everyone, everyone knows that Daryl Henderson's a good player. That's what you should be spending two hours on trying to refute that. Are people too overconfident or underconfident? It could be a 2080 play. There's no way you should play this guy. Spend two hours and try to find stats to justify playing. The 50-50s are the ones you should just throw out. Should you play the, a bunch of, you got 10 guys in the middle that are all about the same. Well, then who cares? You're never going to, if they're so close to each other, you ne- no one's overconfident, no one's underconfident. They're all around the same. So what? So what's the point? Spend your time on getting the 80-20s right, right? Because your profit potential in getting the 80-20s right, you're getting the 80-20s right more than often is going to mean much more to your profit than getting the 50-50s right. Uh, let's see. Going through the YouTube chat before we get out of here. Brett Booth, for NBA, how do you think about giving up projection for the size of the contest? Last night, the 100K FD winner gave up seven points. Is that okay? Yeah, seven points is nothing for that large of a field. Yeah, go for it. I mean, if you get the, if you get the the requisite leverage to go the you know ownership discount to go well, that, that's fine. Seven points in a that large of a field of a GPP is absolutely worth it. Why not? 
seven points in a 200-man small field GPP? Probably not. Uh, right, Mr. Top 10. This is another thing you could do. For triple ups, I go 2v2 of the optimal. So many people play the same lineup in these contests. Yes, that's exploited. That's a game theory concept. Right. If you know, if you're, if you could predict what, what many of the lineups will look like, it's much better if you're going to deviate to play triple ups and quintuplets because most people play their double up lineups in those contests. So when you are on the right side of the 2v2, you get paid three to one or five to one rather than just beating like, you know, trains of very similar lines. So, yes, that's what I would suggest. If you, if you're going into the slate going, I know what people are playing and I'm playing a lineup that projects 0.2 lower and it's a 2v2, start entering those triple ups and contumplates. If you can predict what the field is going to do in the cash flows. Okay. I I think we're done. That was was a longer show than I expected. But I think I explained. So this is is a good evergreen show. I'm probably going to have to explain all everything that I've said in the show again oh, next week and the week after and the week after to people, but that's okay. I mean, I'm here to teach. I'm here to let you know what to do. Uh, reviewing DFS slates. Get that. Get, give me those thumbs up on your way out the door. Uh, hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. We got NBA live. Uh, NBA grind is live later today. Uh, crunch time for premium members. You get all this premium stuff. All the stuff that I show on the screen, lineup HQ, the projections, the tools, the everything uh, by uh, by subscribing to Roto-Grinders. So uh, click on that link in the description, get $10 off your first month and, uh, and I will see you tomorrow. Uh, answering your DFS strategy questions as always on the DFS pregame show on Roto-Grinders.com.